Hey everyone, welcome to the Warren Shoes Podcast. My name is Zachary, and I interview people that have grown up around the world and learn about the extraordinary in their everyday lives. Today I talk with Davey, who grew up in the UK, China, and the United States. We talk about his family and parents and the hardships they went through together. I hope that you enjoy our conversation. Hey Davey, thanks for being on the Warren Shoes Podcast. I appreciate you being here. Um, yeah. yeah. How, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Yeah. Excited to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Awesome. Me too. Yeah. So let's uh, start off uh, with this question. Uh, but what does the word home mean to you? And uh, what are some of the places that you would consider to be home? Yeah. I I love this question. And I um, I've loved it, you know, since kind of realizing in college that it's, it's kind of this, it's a similar question to, you know, where are you from? But it's, it kind of puts the emphasis on like maybe what you value, like, you know, relationships or that sort of thing. And it gives kind of flexibility to, for people to sort of, um, for, yeah, where is home for you to change? Um, home for me right now is kind of equal parts, Baltimore, Maryland and Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, we went to school together in Chattanooga. So, Mm -hmm. um, and my family's been here for a lot of years. Um, mom and dad originally moved here for school in the 1970s. So even though my family's not originally from Tennessee, uh, it's kind of become an adopted home for us. Baltimore is a little more recent. I moved there in August of 2021 for school and have really fallen in love with it. Um, Mm. it's unlike any place I've ever lived never really lived in a big city and it's yeah. you know i have a friend from singapore who moved to baltimore around the same time as me and she laughs because baltimore is not a big city to her right <laughs> <laughs> but to me it is and yeah. um yeah it's it's my first time living on the east coast mm-hmm. and it's just you know become a, it's a beautiful place with a lot to offer so i'd say baltimore and chattanooga yeah yeah, that's awesome. Just kind of equal parts, um, Baltimore and China. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about where you have kind of grown up and, and a little bit about all the places you've lived? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, my parents, uh, you know, are expats working in the missionary field. And when I was born, they were living in the U.K., in Sheffield, England. And that was sort of where dad was working out of an office. He was working for this organization um, that distributed Christian literature and opened Christian bookstores. And so we lived there for about 10 years as a family, but I was born about halfway through um, in the later 90s. So um, we left in about 2004, 2004-2005, mom yeah. uh mom had been diagnosed with cancer mm. and you know just the way things worked out it um she was able to get treatment in the u.s more easily mm. so we moved back to the u.s back to tennessee um and lived in franklin tennessee from about 2006 to 2010 while mom was undergoing treatment and uh, uh recovering from her cancer yeah um we had family living nearby franklin my grandparents were living in chattanooga at the time so um, yeah, those early years were, uh, some in England where I have, um, some memories and Franklin, Tennessee. And then around 2010, we moved to China mm-hmm. and my parents had 
been trying to discern like what their calling was, what their uh, sort of next mission field might be. Yeah. Um, they were both really passionate about missions and knew that they wanted to continue uh, working with, you know, local churches around the world, uh, distributing Christian literature, you know, teaching, teaching the Bible. And so probably around 2008, 2009, dad started making trips to some different countries, including China. Hmm. And it, you know, for me as a kid, I was, I don't know, nine or 10. Yeah. For me, it was just kind of all a big adventure. (laughs) It was like, what? We couldn't move to China. Yeah. And, um, in 2010, we did in that summer of 2010. And I lived there till about summer, spring of 2017. Okay. So from about the ages of 10 to 17. Yeah. And then I moved back to the U S from China in 2017 for school. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah. So you just kind of talked about, you know, were, I'm sorry, were you born in England or? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was born in Sheffield, England in 1999. Okay. And um, lived there for just about five years. Okay. Yeah. Do you do you remember much of England at all or kind of moving back to the States? Yeah. I, you know, uh, it's funny having lived in different places. Um, sometimes our memories of those places are different from... You know, we go back when we're older and it's different from how we remember it. Yeah. Um, so I, I have pretty distinct memories of England, but I don't have a lot of memories. Like yeah. they're kind of just kind of snapshots of daily life around the home, which obviously is where I spent, you know, 99% of my time. Yeah. And, you know, a nearby park and just kind of the block where we lived and then some memories of church there. Um, we lived in a... a a big stone house that was close to 300 years old, you know, oh, wow. slate roof, lead yeah. piping, all, you know, <laughs> the whole package. And, yeah. um, I was the youngest of, um, growing up, growing up there. I probably had six or seven siblings at home. Yeah. A couple of my older siblings had left for college. Okay. Um, when I was, you know, younger, two or three, but it was just fun to grow up in a house with a lot of older siblings. Yeah. And, um, I remember going on walks on the moors and I remember the night we left, like being woken up in the middle of the night and Hmm. kind of being explained, you you know, uh, told, um, you know, we're moving, we're, we're leaving to the airport now. And I, they probably had told us before then, but, uh, you know, it's funny. It's, those are just kind of the like snapshots that I remember of like daily life around the home, some around church, going to parks and then like one or two distinct memories. Hmm. Um, and I've been back once. Okay. Uh, I left when I was about five or six. And um, I don't remember the exact time of year we left in 2005. So I'm yeah. not sure if I was five or six, probably five. And uh, I went back in June of 2016 with uh, both of my parents um, to London and then just my mom to Sheffield. Okay. And we stayed with some church friends there. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of things that I didn't remember, obviously. And, you know, some things weren't the way I remembered, uh, but it was, you know, it was encouraging. There were other things like walking on the moors that this is how I remembered it. Um, yeah. 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 
No, that's awesome. And, and yeah, you talked about being yeah woken up in the middle of the night and kind of explained that you know <laughs> we're we're leaving and we're moving uh-huh. and probably have been been told before that, but as a five year old, just kind of that that moment just kind of really sticks in your mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And then coming back to the to the U.S., you were living in Franklin, that was close to your grandparents, and you were here from about from when you were five until about ten. Is yeah. That, yeah. So, yeah, mom was mom was having her cancer treatment. Yeah, we. Sorry, did you as a, as a five year old? I, I mean, did you understand everything that was going on, or was it just kind of removing back? Yeah, for mom being sick. Or? Good question. I don't remember understanding. Um, I don't remember why we were leaving. Yeah, but it also I didn't. You know, I it. I didn't really. My life was my family. Right. So for me. Personally, it wasn't a big change. It was, uh, you know, I'm with my family. We're going on this trip and, you know, I'm with my family in the, the U.S. Yeah. Um, so I don't remember it being a, a really shocking change or anything like that. Yeah. I think I, I have understood more in my teenage years and later later than that, just sort of how profound that was for our family. Yeah. Um, I certainly didn't understand at the time that mom, mom had, she was diagnosed at stage three breast cancer. Yeah. And at the time it was a pretty aggressive form of breast cancer. Now it's highly treatable, but we just weren't sure how long mom was going to live. And I think my parents definitely had to wrestle with that. Um, you know, they didn't know if they had a year or five years and that had a profound impact on my dad. Yeah. But I think on all, on all of us, I think it affected all of us um, in some way or another. I just at the time didn't like realize how, you know, how miraculous it was when mom was declared cancer free. And yeah, um, that's not how everyone's story ends up. Yeah. Um, so that definitely had a big impact on my family, but I personally didn't probably didn't understand the magnitude of it. Um, I do have some distinct memories though. Uh, (laughs) when mom lost her hair to chemotherapy, uh, Mm. all of us shaved our heads in solidarity. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Peter and I, when we were little, uh, there's a photo of Peter and I, like mom is like hugging us and she doesn't have hair. And then she's got like, one of us in each arm oh my gosh. and we were all bald and we were the baldy waldy club <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> you know Sorry. yeah that's bringing tears to my eyes yeah. that's yeah 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 it was I, really tender yeah that's that that's just a beautiful picture of, I, I mean yeah you talked about kind of the importance of your family mm-hmm. and just that really feeling like you're moving from england to the u.s but that that not really being a big of a deal as big of a deal because you were with your family. Yeah. Just kind of that picture of your mom going through this really hard thing. So, and I mean, did all all the kids and your dad just kind of unite with that or, or was it you and you and Peter? (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think all of us to varying degrees, um, felt the impacts of it. Um, and, and you know, their stories are their stories, but yeah, I could just kind of speak briefly. Um, dad during that time, uh, you know, dad has had, um, some depressive tendencies a lot of his life. Um, and that really hit hard. Um, when mom had cancer, 
you know, for all he knew, he was going to be a single dad of nine kids. And yeah. uh, I think um, there were other things that sort of went into that. But dad's depression was heart most difficult um, in those years that mom had cancer. And mm-hmm. so I think that some of my siblings who were teenagers at that time yeah. probably felt the impact of that most deeply. And I think that, mm-hmm. I think that left scars, I'll be honest. Um, I think that um, both of my parents being so um, deeply affected um, and so kind of, yeah, just um, so preoccupied with managing cancer and depression and just getting through life, you know, daily life Yeah, that, uh, uh, I think they, some of my siblings felt like they were absent in some of those years and I, I don't blame them, but I also don't blame my parents. I just think that was a really difficult time for our family. Yeah. So, you know, as a three-year-old, five-year-old, I missed, I missed all that predominantly, you know, really, um, I think that, uh, um, there's been a lot of healing in the years since uh, mm-hmm. where my siblings have talked through with my parents, you know, about how they felt and have processed through some of that. Yeah. Um, but then like one of my sisters was at Covenant College at the time. And uh, I don't know if she was a junior or what, but when mom, you know, when we found out that mom had cancer, it was just like, she just had a really rough time in school. Yeah. I think for the rest of the year, she just had a really hard time focusing on classes and, yeah. um, probably had to drop some classes and somehow made it to the end of the year, but it was just a really tough and affected her really deeply. Um, yeah. So definitely impacted our family a lot, but I personally was just a little too young to feel all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing with that with me. Yeah. I, I appreciate it for sure. Um, yeah. And so when your mom, uh, when was she declared, uh, uh, free of cancer was it at that point that you guys decided to look overseas or oh, um good question i i think she found out she had cancer in 2003 and probably was cancer free by or at least in remission by like maybe 2007 2007 okay. or eight yeah might have been earlier than that um but i think that uh uh for her type of cancer, um, I might be misremembering the details, but I think there was a chance of remission up to like 15 years. Okay. And you know, if it's past 10 or 15 years, it's, they just consider it a new cancer because it's, the chances are so small that right. remission would happen after that long. Okay. So it's been, yeah, 18 or 20 years. And so mom is cancer free. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so at what point did, did, um, uh, yeah, did your, did your dad and your mom, um, or you guys as a family kind of start looking, uh, cause you mentioned your dad started traveling, looking for new mission fields yeah. or <clears throat> probably when mom had stopped treatment, um, okay. and was feeling stronger and, um, I think that, you know, I think that mom actually, um, had a lot of sort of investment in this idea of going overseas and Hmm. getting back onto the mission field. And so it wasn't just sort of dad's vision. I think they together prayed about it and um, worked through that discerned. Um, uh, Mom also made some trips alone um, where dad was at home with us. Mm -hmm. And those would usually be like two or three weeks at a time. Um, 
and um, I think that dad went to a couple of different places. I uh, um, and he ended up, you know, visiting uh, some Christians at uh, uh, working at sort of a cafe, working with student ministry yeah. in southern China, okay. and connected with them, and um, that's where we ended up in southern China in Dali. Yeah, 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 in southern China and and Dali. Um, how old were you when you guys decided to move, move over and did move over? I was 10. You were 10. Yeah. What, I assume you remember more of that than yeah. the transition from Definitely. England to the U S but could you tell me a little bit about how you experienced that and yeah. what that was like? Um, I, you know, I, it, for me, it was definitely just an adventure. Yeah. Um, I, I think my primary friends were my family. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, at the time, we were going to a church called Christ Community Church in mm-hmm. Nashville, Tennessee. And um, I was part of a, um, a class there, you know, a Sunday school and a Wednesday night um, uh, youth group. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we were fourth, fifth graders. Um, right. And I, I haven't kept up with those guys. I follow some of them on social media. So I like, yeah. you know, it's fun seeing what some of them are up to. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, it was hard because they were my friends. You know, uh, um, it was hard to hard to say goodbye to you know that group of friends. But pretty quickly, you know, you find new friends, and um, I think through all of this, uh, uh, my brother Peter and I have yeah. always been really close, and we're kind of the only people for each other that have been through sort of all of life together. Okay. You know, um, up until now when, you know, we're sort of paths have diverged more since college. Yeah. But it's, it's just been really fun. He got married in November. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm getting married next month. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's been kind of fun to, yeah. uh, um, to, to, I, I think we're both feeling kind of nostalgic. Yeah. Um, just about growing up together. Yeah. And, uh, we've always been best buds and, mm. um, you know, participating in each other's weddings. But through that time moving to China, you know, we really had each other. And um, I was also close to some of my older siblings. Yeah. So that was kind of, you know, home life for us. Um, uh, And uh, I guess once we were in China, it was probably, you know... um, there were some hard things about those early years. I remember just some interactions with um, folks living living in China and just kind of thinking, man, like culture is so different here. Yeah. Or just kind of having those first impressions. <clears throat> um, and, and I just yeah. want to touch on what you just said. Man, the culture is so different here. Uh-huh. And I mean, and yeah, just being 10, you know, 11, 12, 13, did did your family have the kind of language to, to put that together or is that something that you've kind of put on later? Um, I think they did have the language. I really do. Um, and I, I can talk more about my parents. Yeah. Um, just with their sort of background and upbringing and maybe this will come out in some of the questions, but dad, Dad grew up himself as an expat in Korea. Okay. So even though my dad's, my both of my parents now are American, um, mm-hmm. and you know, Dad's parents were sort of originally from the Carolinas, you know, yeah. uh, um, and but particularly on his dad's side of the family, you know, they've they've been in the U.S. for generations and before mm-hmm. that, England. 
Um, despite that, like, Dad's family and his parents, too, were expats. So Dad grew up, was, you know, born and raised in South Korea for okay. 18 years. Wow. So um, I think with my dad's mom... Um, my, so my dad's mom's side of the family, they were missionaries in China for a lot of years, for a yeah. lot of the 1800s and 1900s. And so my grandma grew up, um, in the years around the cultural revolution in China. Um, yeah. and that's about when, you know, in the 1950s, they moved, uh, 1940s and fifties, they moved to Korea. Um, my dad and his parents and his siblings. So my dad is really like, he's American, but he's been so deeply impacted by, um, Asian cultures, and I, I think that really comes out in who he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, just curious, uh, yeah. perhaps for my for my own ignorance, but you talked about being in China during the Cultural Revolution. Uh -huh. um, could you tell me just a little bit about what that is? For because I, I don't know. And yeah, yeah well, I um, I'm not a historian, so I yeah. um, don't know tons about this. But this was um, around the time when um, Mao Zedong um, became. Uh, I forget the name of the, the political title of mm -hmm. um, uh, his political title, but that's when he became, um, you know, leader of China. Yeah. And um, with a lot of the changes that he brought um, through the Communist Party, um, I think there was a lot of hardship in China in the years in the uh, Cultural Revolution. Um, uh Millions, millions of people um, starved and just faced other really horrific hardships mm. because of some of the policies that were um, uh, promoted during those years. And um, it's, you know, it's, um, it's, I think, a really dark period in uh, China's history. Yeah. And um, it also came with um, sort of uh, ramping up of kind of political rivalries between the West and the East yeah. around things like communism. So um, my parents, uh, my, my dad's parents had to leave um, okay. in the 50s. Um, I can't, I, I'm not sure exactly when they left, probably yeah. at the end of the 40s, early 50s. Um, but they, they, they had to leave because they couldn't do the work that they were doing mm -hmm. anymore. Um, in China. And, um, you know, uh, uh, that was, you know, a lot about China has changed in the years since then. Yeah. Um, and, uh, 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 in, you know, towards the end of the 20th century, a lot of missionaries were moving back to China and doing more work there. Um, but, that was sort of influential in my dad's life because, yeah. you know, he really grew up in uh, the southern part of South Korea in Gwangju. Yeah. And uh, uh, his parents were affected by the Korean War. Yeah. Um, his dad was a doctor and you know, mm. treated soldiers during the Korean War. Um, yeah. 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 And so, yeah, that's just kind of kind of your a little bit about your dad's story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And so, um, you had asked, uh, whether my parents kind of had the language to, um, yeah, process yeah, differences for, yeah. in culture, mm -hmm. um, yeah. when we moved to China. Um, 
I think probably in the early years of their marriage, my parents didn't really realize how big cultural differences were in their marriage. Um, Dad, like I had explained, really grew up in an Asian context. And even his, you know, his mom had grown up in an Asian context too. And um, so they were deeply impacted by Asian culture. And dad really, if you talk to my dad, he'll tell you that he's like, you know, he's Asian at heart. Mm -hmm. um, Because that's the cultural context that he um, relates to most deeply. Um, And it was interesting. It's interesting hearing him tell stories of um, my parents' years in Europe, because in the 90s and early 2000s, they lived in France and then in England. And those years were hard for him culturally because, you know, he, England and France were so different from his hard culture. Um, my mom is Dutch. Mm -hmm. Um, she immigrated with her parents to Wilmington, Delaware when she was a kid. Okay. Came over, um, probably in 59, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe 60, came on a propeller plane. Okay. (laughs) Um, and... Uh, uh, my great uncle, Peter Dereka, who I, uh, I, you know, Mm -hmm. recently went to visit in Atlanta. He was born in the 1930s. He is my Oma's little brother. Oma is the Dutch word for, um, grandmother. Mm -hmm. Um, so my mom's mom, um, uncle Peter is my Oma's little brother and he was born in the 1930s and he came over on like, um, a Swedish freighter. Okay. You know, wow. in the 60s. Wow. So it's just interesting how yeah. much travel has changed. Yeah. Um, mom, mom is really, you know, she's, um, she's lived in the U.S. since she was uh, three or four or five. Yeah. And so she's real. she, you know, she's American now, but yeah. she really grew up in a Dutch home. Mm-hmm. So my mom's heart culture is really um, from the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, she was born in Heerlen in 1956. Hmm. And I think in the early years of their marriage, my parents didn't realize that they were in a kind of cross-cultural marriage. Because, you know, they, yeah. they they both went to the same school and they were both American at the time. Hmm. But, you know, really my dad is more Asian and my mom is more yeah. European. Yeah. And so as, as they worked that out in the next couple of decades of their marriage... Um, by the time we moved to China, I think, I think my parents did have a pretty good understanding of maybe not a complete understanding by any means, but certainly yeah. a better understanding of, mm. um, what they were going into. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for saying it. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Both on, on the outside kind of being like, we're Americans and then yeah. <laughs> getting married and we're like, Oh wait, there's a little, there's a little more here. Um, uh-huh. yeah. And so, yeah. So you guys all moved moved to China, um, and you're kind of, kind of yeah. living there. Yeah. Um, you know, and you're spending your ages, you know, 10 to 17, 18 until mm-hmm. you moved back, which are pre- some pretty transformative years, you know, as teenage yeah, and, and definitely. all of that. But yeah, how, how has that kind of affected you and, and impacted you or how did you experience uh, that? I know that's a, that's a very yeah. big question, but feel free to take it any which way you want. No, it's a good question. <laughs> I, um, you know, it was an adventure for me going and I've learned more about how it impacted me and how it's shaped me in the years since, um, Hmm. since moving back from China. Um, I was homeschooled all the way through. So, um, you know, uh, I was at home a lot 
Yeah. So it was my brother, Peter. My parents worked in student ministry, and so we did have a lot of young um, Chinese people in our home a lot. And, um, you know, we, uh, uh, we were pretty involved in the expat community there. So I would say just generally to give kind of a sense of how involved I was in the local culture there and, um, you know, uh, it was, it was, um, I, I never studied in a Chinese school. Hmm. And so I, you know, or an international school for that contact, uh, uh, for the, for the matter, um, the nearest international school, uh, was in a city called Kunming, which is, um, the capital city of Yunnan province where I grew up. And Kunming was like on a good day, four hours away by bus okay. from yeah. Dali. So and, you know, sometimes up to like eight hours, just depending on how the roads and traffic were. So, yeah, really, um, really, uh, uh, if I had gone to that international school, I'd, I don't think my parents wanted to put me in a local school. I think they um, either wanted to homeschool us because they wanted to give us a Christian education yeah. or send us to an international school. And mm. if I had gone to Kunming, um, Kunming International Academy... Um, it really would have been like boarding school, basically, yeah. you know, I would have lived in Kunming, um, yeah. maybe come home a couple of times a month. Mm. Um, and so, you know, um, that sort of lack of exposure has also shaped how I've been affected because it's, mm. I wasn't affected as much as, you know, some other expats that I know, yeah. some other missionary kids. Um, who've been really deeply shaped. I had a friend who was sort of born and raised in Hong Kong, who, uh, one of the guys, one of my buddies that I grew yeah. up with. And he was born and raised in Hong Kong and, uh, you know, then lived in Southern China. His family moved to Southern China. So, so really he was, you know, born and raised in um, Hong Kong and um, yeah. Yunnan. And they went back for furloughs, but he spoke Chinese and, you know, probably identified much more closely with Chinese culture than I did. Um, yeah. And, you know, you don't always have the words for that as a teenager. So it was interesting kind of real, you know, being friends with him because we always knew that there were sort of differences there. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I didn't speak Chinese as well. I understood some and could speak a little, but um, not as well as he could, you know. And, um, so, yeah, um, let me think for just a sec. Um, just thinking about how culture, uh, shapes us. And shapes yeah. Culture. Um, yeah. I think that, um, I personally am take after my mom more mm -hmm. so than my dad. So, um, I, I resonate a lot with my mom's home culture, hmm. uh, uh, and, you know, I can talk a little bit about kind of those cultural differences between the Netherlands and sort of China and what my dad brought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but before sure. we jump into that, I, yeah. I had a question about, yeah, you talked about this friend that kind of grew up in Hong Kong and spoke, uh, Chinese fluently and, mm -hmm. and did he go to a, a public Chinese school or? No, he was also homeschooled, but okay. they, um, they, you know, they had, they lived on a compound where there were also Chinese folks living okay. there. So they had a little bit more of a closer, um, yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm and I'm wondering, and this may resonate, it may not, but do you, do you think if you could go back, would you want to go to an international school or a um, local Chinese school? Is there a sense of loss um, yes. with kind of yeah? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have learned um, in the years since that I uh, there's a lot. There is that sense of loss for sure. Yeah. A lot of it has to do. Um, both with kind of the opportunity um, to know a culture deeply and invest in that place deeply, um, which is something I really long for. Um, yeah. Where I'm living, to know and invest in a place deeply. Um, yeah. And I... Uh, another side of that is just being in school. I loved college and yeah. loved that there were you know, team and group things available like clubs and um, theater. And I, I didn't do theater in college, but I just <laughs> loved that, it, you know, team sports like Ultimate Frisbee or pickup soccer. I just loved that there were more group activities available. And yeah. that's not really something you get as easily if you're homeschooled. Yeah. Um, I definitely growing up played Ultimate Frisbee with other kids in my neighborhood and other expats. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I think the, the, that sense, that sort of organization um, is definitely a loss for homeschoolers if you're not involved in a co-op, yeah. um, is you probably don't get a really robust, you know, oppor- a really uh, an opportunity for like a really robust theater, you know, experience or a team sport or um, yeah. that sort of thing. So I, I feel lost there because I, I'm much more relationally driven and extroverted. Mm. Um, and that's something I've only realized in the last few years. Um, <laughs> but the other side of that, yeah, is definitely, um, not knowing as deeply or being invested as deeply in Chinese culture. Mm. Um, I really appreciate and value the choices my parents made, yeah. um, around homeschooling us. You know, they had a very clear, um, they cl- clear set of values and, they acted on their values. So I can't fault them for that. I respect them for it, but they valued a Christian education and, um, really wanted to be invested in our lives. So they chose to homeschool us. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't say whether I would do the same if I had kids someday. Yeah. However, um, you know, they, uh, uh, they were also really passionate about missions and felt like that was, um, a calling on their lives. They had a pretty unique set of experiences, lived experiences and values and um, skills that, you know, applied really well to international student ministry. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there was also this conversation about identity formation growing up Yeah. where I think there was some worry in my parents that if, if we did go to a Chinese school or if we did, you know, learn the language fluently, we might struggle more coming mm. back to the U S with kind mm. of our identities. And, um, hmm. uh, I understand where that perspective comes from. Yeah. I think that I, um, I think that I feel a sense of loss around that because yeah. it's, Part of it is maybe a fear-driven um, perspective, but also mm. just um, maybe not as much openness to 
opportunity and possibility. And, yeah. you know, as a result, I never learned Chinese flu. I never learned Mandarin fluently and mm. probably did not have as deep or lasting friendships with the local Chinese community as I might have had. Yeah. Um, but I also don't know how that might have impacted my transition back to the U.S. You know, if I did yeah. kind of go all in on connecting with Chinese culture. So, yeah, sense of loss is, yeah, yeah, hit the nail on the head. But, yeah. um, you know, my parents made the choices they made, acting on their values and opportunities. So I respect yeah. them for that. And I mean, and I mean, yeah, that's a choice that all parents make. You know, they do yeah. the best that they can with the options that they have and yeah. the children get to live with the consequences <laughs> and, 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 and figure it out yeah. and, you know, probably have to do the same thing one day when, yeah. you know, if, if we have kids. And um, it hasn't been, you know, as simple and easy as coming to that conclusion. Like I, yeah. I've, I've wrestled with my parents in many respects yeah. uh, to, to understand their choices and to understand its impact on me. And it wasn't always easy yeah. having those conversations. Yeah. Um, but I think we've worked through it and I, you yeah. know, I now understand better. Um, even if I haven't always understood, yeah. um, you know, why they made the choices that they did. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Davey. Yeah, for sure. It. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked, uh, backpedaling a little bit you talked mm -hmm. about yeah just talking about your your mom's culture and then yeah. your dad's culture and then you you come out and you're living in china <laughs> and and what that looks like um definitely uh you know being the youngest of nine siblings i'm the youngest of nine yeah <laughs> um uh my parents are you know born in the 50s and sort of on the later end of uh the boomer generation so mm -hmm. it was coming for a lot of you know younger Christian families in that generation to have a lot of kids. Yeah. And, um, by the time I came around, I think my parents, you know, probably had a good sense of, um, which parent the kid took after more in yeah. sense of just personality. Mm -hmm. And, um, I definitely take after my mom. Um, and I can explain a little what that means. Uh, yeah. You know, Dutch culture values, um, industriousness and <laughs> pragmatism and uh, 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 pride, national pride and direct communication yeah, and uh, perseverance and these kind of things. Um, you know, uh, the Netherlands was really a country that was kind of a lot of, a lot of the country was reclaimed from the sea and they're very proud of the Dutch are very proud of this. <laughs> um, they had to, you know, they, this, really ingenious engineering of building dikes and pumping out water and kind of reclaiming land bit yeah. by bit from the sea. Um, so there's this saying, you know, God made the earth, but the Dutch made the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes out in other sayings too. Like if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. It's a little bit more of an abrasive, but it kind of gets the point across there. Uh, yeah. They're proud of who they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> my mom is yeah very dutch she grew up in a dutch home her parents mm. um had to um you know <laughs> my parents had uh, sorry my grandparents my open oma had very strong uh uh accents when yeah. they spoke in english and my mom doesn't have an accent um at least not a dutch one but mm -hmm. um does speak a little bit of dutch she uh, uh she probably spoke dutch in the home till she was about five and so I think my mom's personality, uh, you know, a little bit more extroverted, um, 
a little bit more of a linear thinker, mm. uh, values direct communication, um, you know, this industriousness and pragmatism. Those are values that I think I have, um, have, you know, really um, emulate. And uh, some of it's just personality. Yeah. Not all of it is by choice. Um, and then my dad, growing up in an Asian context, has this immense appreciation for things like filial piety, yeah. uh, respect for your parents and honoring your parents and elders, um, uh, a value on unity and uh, uh, peace. Um, and um, uh, uh, Guanxi and this sort of like interdependent relational interdependence for, mm. you know, cooperation and success. Yeah. Um, these are very much sort of uh, values that my dad's holds. Um, and also this concept of face, yeah, which is kind of communicating um, uh, uh, like honor, I guess face is, okay. is like, it's kind of like someone's reputation. Yeah. Um, you, you, you want to preserve face hmm. in yourself and others. Yeah. So you don't want to say something like rude or really direct and kind of mean to someone because that could cause them to lose face. Yeah. There's this kind of, it's very much speaking into this honor, shame, um, uh, culture. Yeah. There are also, I think, um, you know, some downsides too. Like dad tends to be more indirect, uh, which isn't a downside. Um, that's, yeah. um, it, it's, it's very subjective. Um, whether or not that's a positive or negative thing. Yeah. But more of an indirect communicator, um, a little bit more stoic. And that comes out in the way my parents relate to each other and relate to other people when they have a conflict. Mom yeah. wants to get it all out there and resolve it and be direct and just like, you know, <laughs> she's very much ready to, you know, resolve it. Dad, yeah. Dad is, you know, uh, it's harder for him. Yeah. It's harder for him to be direct about the conflict and he tends to want to sort of take time to let things settle. And, um, so I think there's bits and pieces. I'm more of a direct communicator. Um, but I think that, um, I could talk more about other values like hospitality and relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I, I think that having, you know, Lewis Coddington is my dad. Yeah. And uh, growing up in China has given me a really deep appreciation for things like filial piety. Yeah. You know, respect for older generations and uh, uh, what they, what they uh, you know, the deep wisdom and experience that they bring. And, um, res uh, you know, this valuing of uh, face and... Um, so by personality and disposition, I'm a little bit more Dutch, um, yeah. but I, I have an appreciation for the way, um, the way that, uh, my dad, my dad, uh, uh, my dad's culture. Yeah. Um, I think that there are two, well, well, I, I mentioned hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. talk about it for a minute. Yeah. Um, I think that my dad is uh, just, you know, having grown up in, uh, you know, an expat community and um, valuing sort of 
unity and interdependence uh, and like um, just being generous and hospitable to strangers. Yeah. Um, I think something that I've learned from that kind of culture is I, I and learned about myself actually only recently, maybe in the last year or two, is that I'm very much a maximalist when okay. it comes to relationship. Yeah. I really buy into this idea, the more the merrier. Yeah. Um, could you, uh, this maximalist term, I haven't heard that before. Sure. Could you, could you define that? Yeah. Or? It's just the concept, the more the merrier. Okay. Like, yeah. I very much feel richer um, extending my table and yeah. opening my doors. And it plays out, you know, uh, um, uh, if, uh, if Sarah and I are throwing dinner, you know, and we've invited one or two people over and they say, hey, can I bring a friend? We're like, yeah, all yeah. in. Just bring them on over. Like, we'll find food. Yeah. You know, that's very much for me. I love, I love what that results with well yeah. what that results in it's just you see um new people meeting each other and uh just it's just fun you know there's yeah. um the the spontaneity and um creating relationship and introducing people to each other is just something i love mm. and i think that's something that i you know uh maybe appreciate because it's really who my dad is yeah um dad really uh, you know, loves just, it, it, you know, growing up as a kid, sometime we'd, sometimes we'd be embarrassed because dad literally will talk to anyone. <laughs> he will, he will go up to, he will look for the person in the room he doesn't know. Yeah. And he'll go up to them and just start a conversation yeah. and ask, you know, who are you? Where are you from? Yeah. Like, and he'll just, dad, dad is just, I, I I've seen only one or two people in my life who just have such a skill for instant, mm. for developing instant rapport yeah. with, you know, it's a gift. Total yeah. it totally is. Yeah. Um, and I've realized that uh, as yeah. I've gotten older, it's like, wow, this is such a <laughs> unique thing about my dad. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting too. He's introverted. Yeah. He's not, you know, all about spending all of his time every day with people. Right. But when he does have the opportunity to interact, he's just loves, he's just totally shameless and totally, you know, <laughs> unfazed by just that, putting himself out there. That's so funny. Cause I'm finding myself just relating <laughs> to you on the maximalist thing, which I hadn't heard before. And then yeah. my, you know, my dad being embarrassing by talking to anyone. <laughs> I mean, even the other night, just with the Maximus thing, I mean, you're get you're getting married in a month, so yeah. uh, I'm just saying for for me with Michelle, you know, I was like, oh, I invited this one friend over, and she's like, okay, and then a couple hours later, I'm like, oh, and you know, by the way, two this other people they over. got invited, and it's just extended, and Michelle's like, oh, you did what? How many people are coming over? Um, but yeah, that's awesome. I that's, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I find myself relating to you in in that sense. Uh, that's that's great. That's I think awesome. too that um, my social battery is a little higher than Sarah's. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we've started to run into something. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. Find find that balance. Uh, but that you know practically, I just um, I I love I love hospitality. Yeah. And I didn't learn this about myself until I moved to Baltimore. Um, and I, I don't think I learned it about myself um, 
partially because, you know, college was stressful and I didn't have, or I didn't maybe think of myself as having a lot of time and space and energy to be hospitable. Yeah. You know, if you're in a dorm living with roommates, it can be, uh, it just comes in, just plays out differently. Yeah. But once I had my own apartment in Baltimore, I, I learned that I loved having people over to my place. I learned, I loved just making tons of food. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I, I things you know, smaller details like, oh, well, we have enough food or like, oh, they're going to mess up my bathroom or whatever, you know, just things like that are just so irrelevant to me. Yeah. I love being in a space where we have just conversation and people can be relaxed and enjoy each other. That's awesome. And um, I think one of the things that I appreciate so much about Sarah Duke, my fiance. Yeah is that she loves hospitality too. Hmm. And I don't think I, I think another side of this is that I didn't think about whether or not I valued hospitality until I met her and saw, and she totally was doing this. She was hosting something called bread and butter social (laughs) at covenant when she was a freshman, she would like on Saturday nights, she would just bake bread and have friends over. (laughs) That's like, that's awesome. And, uh, so I, I began to think about it more and realize that I resonated with that value. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks, yeah. Davey. Davey, how um how have you integrated the culture that you are living in um and with the ones that you have lived in previously and uh what it means to be yeah. you today? Yeah. Um that's a great question. I think living in so many different places with such different uh values and cultures from southern china to tennessee and different parts of tennessee too you know i've spent time in um more rural parts of southern tennessee and then spent time in nashville and even those are different yeah and moving to baltimore i uh um you know listeners to the podcast will know that i'm not a true baltimorean because i (laughs) pronounce it with the hard t um, instead of baltimore um and you know, just as a city on the East Coast and a little bit more north than Tennessee, yeah. the, the values are different. And Baltimore is such a little microcosm of culture and diversity compared with the rest of like Maryland and some yeah. of the surrounding states. It's so it's such its own thing and its own culture. It's diverse. Um, there's just this beautiful, rich culture in the arts. Yeah. There's um, uh, uh, I think in the city, folks tend to be more progressive which is yeah. true of a lot of big cities around the U.S. Yeah. And um, I've just been surprised again and again by Baltimore, you know, finding uh, finding like a bluegrass scene in Baltimore really surprised me. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I think there's an idea that comes up here that's related um, to the question about integrating culture with where I am, uh, with, with what feels like home. Um, I think something that I talked about a little earlier with my dad's sort of emphasis on, uh, uh, relationship and, you know, relational sort of harmony and, um, uh, 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 cooperation that for me, uh, and also this kind of idea of honor, shame, I think has uh, really translated for me in how people interact with each other and build relationships and 
um, how we think of people who are different from us. Yeah. Uh, you know, moving to Baltimore at first was kind of culture shocking. I moved in August of 2021 because I had never lived in a city that big, never lived on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, and was just surprised by different aspects of culture there. Um, it's a lot more diverse than Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mm. And uh, um, I think that I learned both in the way that some folks in Baltimore talk about people outside of Baltimore, but both in the way that people perceive and talk about Baltimore. Um, I learned that we make a lot of assumptions about people who are different from us. Yeah. And um, as I've thought about this more and wrestled more with this over the years, I realized that a lot of the struggle that I had coming back from China in 2017 to the U.S. Uh, with with um, relating to folks in my dorm the first year or two, or just relating, you know, to Americans generally, was often about, you know, could have often have been sort of tempered or resolved a little by just recognizing the own assumptions, the my own assumptions, and hmm. the ways that I perceived people around me who were different from me, and the assumptions that I made about them, and... Um, you know, how I valued the differences that they had for me. Yeah. And I think that something that I'm really passionate about that's sort of similar to this idea of hospitality is just to be generous about other people, um, generous in my thinking about other people. Yeah. Um, and, and being conscious of sort of the assumptions and differences, um, that are there in that space. And this really comes out in politics. Uh, we talk about, you know, people being on the other side of the aisle, yeah. with sort of left and right and blue and red. Um, but it also comes out across religious contexts. Yeah. Uh, um, Baltimore was, or, or the, the, my primary community in Baltimore was not a Christian community at first, that first year. Yeah. And you just see the differences in the values that people have and the way people talk about their experiences and engage with the world. Yeah. So, something that I've become increasingly passionate about is, um, or, or maybe here's a way I can phrase it when it comes to like conversations about politics, even sometimes I'm even more passionate about the way people talk about each other and treat each other than about the actual political issues, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that comes across, you know, that's true of different conversations too, about culture and religion and, um, I uh, have realized because, you know, Baltimore has a reputation and the South has a reputation. Folks in Baltimore <laughs> often talk about Tennessee one way and people yeah. in Tennessee often talk about Baltimore one way. And I <laughs> I guess I've just um, yeah desire a little bit more self-awareness in how we talk about people who are different from us. And I, I want that for like I, I am trying to do work to better understand myself and understand people who are different from me and why I might think or feel a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, 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 that's a great message. And, and I love that. It's just kind of, um, you know, and I mean, even kind of talking about the Christian faith mm -hmm. and just kind of the way that we treat people mm -hmm. matters, you know, and yeah. even believe different things or, and I just love what you said about like, when talking about political things, you know, the way that we talk, mm -hmm might be, might be more important than you know the actual topic um yeah. itself and just the way that we relate to other people and all of that and i just really love love what you said there yeah definitely it's um it's just become a really important thing to me that's awesome 
Yeah. Well, to wrap up, I have a, I have a fun question. Yeah. Um, the name of the podcast, Worn Shoes. Sweet. Uh, what What is your most worn pair of yeah. shoes? What is your favorite pair of shoes to wear? And I know, and I know you're a runner, so you know it could be your favorite running shoes <laughs> or your favorite. Yeah. walking shoes or just lounging shoes <laughs> that's a great question i yeah. something immediately comes to mind <laughs> okay makes it easy um when my uh my mom's dad my opa mm-hmm. um he uh, he passed away in the late 2000s uh 2009 or mm-hmm. so and uh had a lot of shoes you know okay that he yeah. left to my dad and uh my dad and i are about the same shoe size so mm-hmm. i i got one of my opa's pairs of shoes it's mm-hmm. um these, uh, I think they are Dockers. They're these leather, okay, yeah. leather walking shoes. Uh, there's nothing super special about them. They, mm. they, you know, they don't come up past the heel. They're just a standard leather shoe. Yeah. And they are the most comfortable pair of shoes mm. I have ever worn. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> I wore them so much in college that <laughs> they started to become uncomfortable because of how much sole was worn away. Uh. And, but yeah, true, just like warm, warm shoes for the winter, you know, comfortable walking anytime, anywhere. And, uh, kind of fun to have this pair of shoes that I inherited from my grandfather. Yeah. Um, and I've looked for the same shoe. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, from Dockers and on thrift store websites like Poshmark. And I've just had a hard time finding the same shoe. So, um, yeah, can't really replace that, but, Mm. uh. Yeah, good question. That's <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. What it is for me. And awesome. As as we wrap out, or as we wrap up, mm-hmm. um, is there anything that you would like to say or just shout out or? <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for having me on this podcast. Uh, it's yeah. a lot of fun to uh, talk more about uh, our upbringing, my upbringing. You know, as an MK expat, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's it's a small community. Yeah. Um, and it's fun to it's fun to hear other people's stories too. Whether you're an immigrant or an expat or an international, just fun to see those stories kind of collected and shared. So pretty enthusiastic about it. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you, Davey. Yeah. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Davey. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to like, follow, and share it on whatever platform you're listening to it on. We do have an Instagram where new episodes and updates will be posted, so check that out. Uh, The next episode will be released at the end of March, and it'll have some big updates, so be sure to check that out. Thank you all for your continued support, and tune in next time at The Worn Shoes.